Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. All right, church, remember where we left off two weeks ago. Now, we, were, we weren't here last week because we were um, all getting ready for Thanksgiving. So two weeks ago, and that's a long time because sometimes we don't even remember what we did last week or two days ago. But remember what we talked about, Daniel and his friends. Daniel and his friends are in a pickle. Now, the first thing I want to point out is friends. Friends. You go, why would you say that? Well, I love that Daniel surrounded him with with people that were going to uplift him to the kingdom, people that were praying for him, people that weren't going to pull him back into the world. You see, who we surround ourselves with is very, very important. We always want to look, and, and not only that church, but let's be a Daniel, let's be a friend, let's be a Shadrach, a Meshach, a Abednego, if you will, employing their Babylonian names, but let's be a group of people that encourages each other. Life is hard enough as it is, and, and sometimes when you can't see it, but you can read people's face, and, and they're not having a good day, and it's so important for us to say, how you doing? I, it's okay, brother. It's going to be all right. Or, hey, do you need to talk? Or, how about we get a cup of coffee? What's going on with you? Because we think that sometimes being a Christian, we have it on autopilot, and we got it all under control, and things are good, and it's like, yeah, oh, well, they, you, you don't have any problems. You love Jesus. But, but think about that. I want to be a friend like that, and and I want to surround myself with friends that are going to push me and challenge me in my walk with God. Daniel has that kind of friends. Why? Because they're in a pickle. How do you know? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, had a dream that so freaked him out that he literally could not go back to sleep. So he commands all the wise men, he brings them in from Babylon, says, tell me the dream, tell me the interpretation. They're like, no, dude, seriously, tell us the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. He got really, really, really upset, and they say, listen, Neb, king, here's the deal. Nobody can do that. Nobody can, nobody can interpret dreams like that. I don't know what it means. I mean, like, like if I were to ask you what you dreamt last night and you gave me some crazy dream, I could sort of make up an interpretation. Well, you see this and this and this and this. But if I, I didn't know what you dream, he says, nobody can do that. And he says, well, if you can't do that, y'all are going to die. And remember, they begged and begged and begged for the king to tell them the dream, and nobody could tell him what it meant. Well, Daniel and his friends were not summoned with the rest of them, if you recall. They didn't, they didn't go forth. For we discover in verses 13 to 15 that the killing had begun, and Daniel inquires as to why. Let's look at, look at verse 13 with me. We're just going to kind of recap. It says, So the decree went out, and they, be, they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions for what reason? To kill him. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel said to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, to the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch, then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Now again, here's the keynote. You go, what's that? With counsel and wisdom, Daniel would confront this situation. With what? How so? With counsel and wisdom. Both words means that Daniel chose to handle this wisely and favorably. Think about this for a moment. How do you handle stressful situations? 
possible reactions. Daniel could have been outraged and gotten the flesh. Come on, somebody. Come on, someone. We know, we know exactly. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, keep moving. Move along, Pastor. We're already past that one. No, but it's true. It's true. You see, we're in a season in our lives right now, coming up to Christmas. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and it's a very stressful season, church. It's a very stressful season, and sometimes, how do we respond? Well, Daniel could have responded in outrage, got in the flesh. Are you kidding me? Wait a minute, time out. Hold hold the phone, King. Wait, wait, wait. Ariok, you're telling me that you pulled me 900 miles away from where I was. I didn't ask to come here. And now, because this dude has a weird dream, you're going to kill him. I mean, he could have done that. Daniel also, in a stressful situation, could have shut down and not said anything. Are we good at that? The moment we feel threatened with confrontation, we shut down and we don't say anything. Okay? Honey, are you okay? I'm fine. That's not good. Okay? When your wife says, I'm fine... Watch out. I think it's an important lesson for us as believers to be able to learn how to communicate properly. Because oftentimes, church, listen to me, when there's a stressful situation or we're in an argument or we're in a heated discussion, we have a tendency to shut down and the problem goes unresolved. Well, you, what else could have Daniel done? Well, Daniel could have blamed God for bringing him to Babylon. God, it's your fault. You see, I think all three of those we do. We outraged, we act in the flesh. We've done that. And people look at us and go, you're a Christian. Are you kidding me? Or number two, we shut down and nobody knows what's going on in our hearts. And we say, I'm fine, and we're really not fine. And let me just say this to you. When a man says he's okay, he's really not okay. Okay. How are you doing? I'm okay. He's not okay. He's struggling with something. You know, normally he's like, I'm great. This is wonderful. Whatever. Hey, I'm stoked. I'm excited. But if a man says, hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. Be careful, women. Be careful. Think about that. Okay. Okay. Or what a lot of us do is we blame God for the situation or the stressful situation we're in. Well, God, if you went to brought me to, if you went to brought me to love, come on, somebody. That's what we say. Dare to be a Daniel. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? He was so in tune with God, his reaction to those who came to murder him, wisdom and counsel. Wisdom and counsel. Hey, how's your tuner? You go, Ben, what do you mean? How's your tuner? I feel like sometimes my tuner's broken. I feel like sometimes I'm not getting the right frequency. I think sometimes the way I think, my, my thought life, I, I'm, I'm getting off. For example, sometimes you have one of those days and you just feel stressed out or, or there's a lot of things going on and, and, and bombarding your mind. And you sit down and you start to do worship. And, and, and I started and I kind of peeked out the, the corner of my eye and I noticed the words and I was like, wow, I forgot that Jesus. You realize, church, and this happens in the Christian life, that in ministry we can still miss Jesus. In our Christian walk, we can still miss Jesus. We can miss him. We can, we can be doing all the Christian things. I think of the church at Ephesus. 
Do you guys remember? They were doing all the right things. They were doing all the right. They were handing out bulletins. They were having a great time. Did great children's ministry. All the good stuff. In the and he says, but, you, but I'm not there. The Lord's not there. I think it's wise for us every now and then to take a, a moment with God and say, Lord, where am I with you? Have I, have I just gotten in the routine of ministry? Have I gotten in the routine of Christianity? Am I just going through the motions? Or have I left my first love? You see, church, my first love is not being a pastor. My first love is Jesus Christ. Your first love should be the Lord, the Lord Jesus, more than anything. And sometimes we don't lose it. We, left, we leave it. We leave it. Well, it goes on in verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him some time so that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now, remember, we talked about this. This was not a stalling tactic. Daniel needed some time to pray, to pray. Two weeks ago, we talked about prayer. Let's go on and we'll, we'll jump back then. Then Daniel went to his house. I'm sure the king found favor. He said, okay. And so, so Daniel goes home and he makes the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Guys, listen. Here's what's going on. We're about to die. They sent the henchmen to get us. We have just a few hours to pray. You need to pray. Please pray. Okay? What were they going to pray? Well, they might seek the mercies of God in heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Now, here's what we learned. Think about this for a moment. I'm coming to get you. You've got just a few hours. What is your prayer going to look like? God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food we just ate. Amen. That's not going to be our prayer if someone's out to kill us. You understand that. It's not going to be like, oh, Lord, and here's what I want. And boy, this is, there's a, there's going to be an element of prayer that's so real that it's going to touch and tug on our hearts. But see, we learned in the prayer life of a Jewish person was not something they did, it was who they were. How important is that? Guys, in our prayer life, it's not something we do. Hey, how's your prayer life? Well, I do it every morning, praise God. It's who we are. You know what? It would be foreign for us, come on somebody, not to pray for someone at that moment. Because that's who we are. Hey, so how's it, well, how's it going? Well, I'm going to, well, let's pray right now. Well, right here, in the middle of the mall, sure, we'll pray right now. Lord Jesus, you know, I mean, just that's who we are. Think about it. These, these boys weren't going, oh, they, uh, Daniel, um, bro, we haven't prayed like in, like in about a week, dude. You, you're calling us to pray. No, they were already, that's who they were. And so all Daniel had to do is go, guys, let's go, let's go. And they would be praying. The prayer life is who they were. This is how Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezra would have grown up, guys. Praying, 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 praying. This is how Mary and Joseph would have taught Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? We're in the Christmas season. Come here. Come here, Lord. Come here, come here Joseph. Here, this is how we pray. This is known as the Amidah. 
The Ababa, yeah, we're going to learn. And they begin to teach them the Amida, the Shema. In the following weeks, as we go through Daniel Church, listen, hopefully um, after our last Daniel study, we'll, we have a, we'll have a good understanding of prayer. But let's start off as a way of reminder, a prayer that every prayer, every Hebrew would pray. They would pray it in the morning, and they would pray it for bed. This prayer is at least twice, at least a minimum of twice a day. This is known as the Shema. The Shema. The Shema is found, if you're taking note, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is what they would pray every morning and every evening. In the Hebrew, it would read something like this. Shema Israel Adonai Elehenu Adonai Echad. That's what it would be like. That's what, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, here's what we need to know. The Shema is central prayer in the Jewish prayer book. And it's often the first section of scripture any Jewish child would learn. Can you, for one minute, imagine teaching both God and man as a little boy, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. He would have been like, mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And so again, this is what Jesus would have learned. This is what Daniel would have learned. This is what Hananiah would have learned. The difference is, now 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 here's the thing. Here here's the difference. I we have taught our granddaughter and, and our grandson a little bit. He doesn't talk right now, but he just sort of goes, blah, 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 you know. But we've taught him to pray before the meal. Let's, we need to pray. We, you need to pray and ask God to bless. Now, she's heard grandpa, grandma, mama. She's heard the prayer in her eight years, probably over a thousand. You understand that. So she'll go and she'll do this. She'll go, um, thank you, Jesus, for this. We bless make nourish my body in Jesus' name. She'll pray it that fast. That's her prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this food blessing. Make nourish to my body in Jesus' name. And I'll tell her, oh, oh, slow down, slow down. Here's what you need to know. That's my granddaughter, okay? That's, we're, we're, we're working with her. But Orthodox Jews would pronounce each word very carefully and cover their eyes with their right hand. They wanted to make sure that they would say, again, think about it, Shema Israel. Adonai Alehenu, Adonai Achat. That's what they would do very carefully. This was a this was a heartfelt prayer. That was the Shema. Then, as they grew, they would learn about the Amidah prayer. We talked about that. Now, the Amidah contains nineteen blessings, guys. Nineteen blessings. Originally, it was eighteen. It was 18, but then they, they said, no, we, we need to add one final blessing. So it's 19. Each blessing opens with the signature, blessed are you, O Lord, and then it would end with blessed O you, O Lord. This is how they started. Every prayer, can you imagine? Every prayer, blessed O you, O Lord. Thank you, God, you King of Kings, for such a beautiful day. And thank you, and, and, and they would pray, and then they would end this prayer, not like we do, in Jesus' name. They would say, blessed are you, O Lord. This is the 
Amida. Now, let me just remind you, okay, because it's so important. Ben, why are you telling this all about prayer? Here's why. Because throughout Daniel, he's going to pray. Wouldn't you want to know what he prayed? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to know what he's praying right now? I don't think he's going, oh, I'm about to be killed. The Shema. Oh, you should love them. I don't, he would already have it in him. What would he pray? Well, first and foremost, he would pray, guys, with the Shavach. You can jot this down, S-H-E-V-A-C-H. It's the Shavach. These are the first three blessings. You go, why? They serve to inspire the worship, the worshiper to invoke God's mercy. I think that's where Daniel started. Let's talk about the Shavach. Shavach right now. Okay. This is praise. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Melanie, they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you. You're not going to praise God. You're going to ask him right away. God, don't let him kill me! No. You see, he knew. I find it interesting. Peter, you guys remember Peter? Peter on the boat? Peter, Lord! Is that you? If that's you, bid me to come. And the Lord's like, come on. So Peter got out of the boat. Now, we often give Peter a hard time, don't we? But he's the only one that got out of the boat. So Peter gets out of the boat. He starts to see all of the circumstances in life. He begins to sink. Now, he doesn't go, okay, let me remember the Shema, the Shavak. Let me start with praise. You know what his prayer was? Lord, help. Lord, help. And that's okay. There are times when we're like, Lord, help. This is all I got. Lord, help. Save me. That's cool, too. But in the way of the Shema, when you're taking your time and you're communicating with God... You would come with the shavak, with the praise. Then you would move to the third, the middle, um, the middle blessings, okay? And you go, what's that? It would be the bakasha. B-A-K-A-S-H-A-H. The bakasha. You go, what was that? This is known as the request. The request is six personal prayers. Six requests. This is something I'm asking for. There were six communal prayers with a final request to accept God's prayer. Okay, that's where they added the extra. Okay, the six personal requests and six communal requests. So you would pray. Pray for your health. Pray for your finances. Pray for a closer walk with God. Pray for the church. Pray for people that you're praying for. We're praying for the six. For the sick, there's people who are, they don't have COVID. Thank you, Jesus. They don't have the flu, amen to God. They just have something, and and we pray that they would feel better. Because nobody likes to be sick. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. So we can pray. We can pray that God would bless us with a new building. We can pray that God would bless us with more people. We can pray that more people would come and get saved in 23. These are all good prayers. This is our request. I want you to know, we don't start with those prayers. It's very hard to do, because that's our nature, to start with the request. Dear Lord, I come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, this person right here and this person, and that's just our nature. But this teaches us that we need to invoke praise, the what? We need to invoke the Shavak first. I want to praise you, God. I want to recognize who you are. I want to know that you're sovereign and that you're merciful. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. I forget that a lot. I forget that I need to come in. And, and here, what happens is it puts my mind in perspective of who God is. First and foremost, he's God. 
Sometimes we come, anybody ever come with a silly prayer? A silly prayer. You're going, man, that's silly. And you'll come, but it's not silly. It may be silly to other people. It's not really silly to you. It's very, but then you start with praise and you start with worship. And when you realize how big God is, your prayer is even more sillier because you're going, Lord, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. You're God. You're God. You've held me in my hand. You've held me in your hand, Lord. You've got me. What is I worried about this for? Lord, it's okay. It's okay. Then the final three blessing was known as the Hoda'a. Hoda'a. It's H-O-D-A-A-H. And that is gratitude. This is thanking God for what? For the opportunity to serve the Lord. How amazing is that? That we would thank God that he's given us opportunities to serve him. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Like in church? Well, like in church. But also in the community. You're serving. You are his hands and his feet. If you see a need, you need to be so in tune with God's Holy Spirit that you go, oh, I need to meet this need. I I can do that. Here you go. I can, oh, no. That's how we need to be. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. This is a great opportunity. You go, what? That people would actually come to this church to hear what I have to say about God. That's a thank you, Lord. That's a blessing. You go, well, Ben, you're really not the teacher. And you're right. It's the Holy Spirit who's the teacher. But I get to present it and get you going, oh, you know what? That's true. I need to, I need to have an attitude of gratitude. I need to be thankful. You need to be, listen to me, this is going to blow your mind. You need to be thankful if you have plus six million in the bank right now or minus six million in the bank. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you're just making ends meet, but you're, leave, you're living and God is using you, we should be thankful. We should go, Lord, wow. Wow. Here's the point. Here's the point. Every Jewish male would know these prayers by heart and pray them every day. They would pray them. So I find it interesting that Jesus' disciples would ask him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So let me tell you where we're going tonight. We're going to read verses 19 to 23 and focus just a minute on verse 19. But what I want to talk about tonight is Daniel's prayer. In other words, I'm intrigued. What did he say? Or better yet, how did he pray? We know the structure of the Amidah, right? We know the structure. We know praise, request, gratitude. We know the Shema. But here's what we learn. God answered the prayer. God answered the prayer. Okay? So what's the key? What's the key? Like, for example, the key is not for you and I just to repeat a prayer. Okay, our Father, which art, we've, we've learned to repeat that prayer. But that's not the key to prayer. It's not the key simply that he prayed the Shema or the Amidah. If we did that, that's all we would pray. Amen? 
we would go, okay, well, let's pray that. God's going to answer us. So we'll, okay, so here's how our noonday prayer looks like. You pray the Shema, I'll pray the Yamadah, God answers it. That's not how it works, is it? Because it's got to be personal. So, keep that in mind. We're going to look more a little bit at prayer. Look at verse 19 with me. It says, Daniel's prayed. You guys understand that Daniel and his companions prayed. How did they pray? What did they say? I wish they would have given me the prayer, but they didn't. And it says, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and to the knowledge of those who have understanding. Your attention, please. These are great verses to underline if you're leery about the future of the United States. Why? God, listen, God removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them. He is still on the throne. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. Well, who's going to run in 2024? Well, I heard he was. Well, I don't know. What about this? What about this? Now, let me just say this. Mike, there's some concerning things even happening in the political realm and even in the monetary realm. Do you... I can't get off on that, but there's some stuff that we need to think. I mean, in crypto, just what? Okay, that's different. But God is on the throne. And Daniel gets the revelation. He gets a night vision. And here's what he says. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked you of you, and you have made known to us the king's demand. To us, was it a collectively the Lord spoke to them? This is amazing. This is amazing. Here's first and foremost, God answered Daniel's prayer. Daniel and his friends, God answered that prayer. How he answered it, the Bible says it was in a night vision, a dream or vision in his mind. I have only had a couple of really intense biblical dreams in my life. I know that they were the Lord. I mean, sometimes I go to bed and I'll pray, and I'll dream of weird stuff, you know, you're kind of flying and whatever. But there's very, very few times the Lord will give me and speak to me in a dream. I don't know if you've had that where the Lord has specifically spoke. You know it's, he's, he's talking to you because you've asked him before you went to sleep. Lord, show me. Show me. The good news in your life and in mine is that God answers prayers. He answers them. Okay? For Daniel, God showed up in an amazing way. Now, next week, we're going to continue with the dream and the king. But tonight, I want to look more in depth at why Jesus' disciple would ask him to pray. Teach him, I'm, I'm ask what well, they would ask, teach us to pray, Lord. Because knowing what we know about the Shema and the Amidah, I want to see. Let's do some investigative work, okay? We'll come back to Daniel next week and just start digging a little bit deeper, but I still want to learn. Why? Daniel prayed. 
Daniel prayed. He prayed. He prayed the prayers that we would know, but, but there's got to be something else. And, and now the disciples come to Jesus, and, and they would have learned, they would have grown up knowing the Shema and the Amidah, but they might have felt a little bit like, well, that's a little bit structured. I understand that. I understand that. Now, listen, I've given you, I've given you the acts of prayer, the acts formula. You go, what? Start with adoration. That's A. Then go to confession. That's C. Then T, thanksgiving. And then S, supplication. But eventually you don't want to go, okay, wait a minute. A. Okay. How's your prayer life? I'm on C. I'm on C. Leave me alone. I'm confess. We, we, we use that as a, as a springboard, but it's got to be more, it's got to be more personal. That's got to be more personal. So, with that, guys, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, you should already be there. Remember we talked about the importance of prayer and how we had the best example. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 11, you're going to need to write this down. We discover something interesting. You go, what's that? Well, come on, look at me. We, had the, we have the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. You guys know that. Then we have the Amidah. We have 18, 19 prayers. But then we learn something. Ready? It's the Chutzpah. The Chutzpah. C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. The Chutzpah prayer. You guys got that? You wrote that down? Chutzpah. Why? Because I'm going to give you the definition. You ready? The Chutzpah. C-H-U-T-Z. P-A-H. Here's what it means. Shameless audacity. Impudence. It's shameless audacity. That's the chutzpah. Shameless impudence. Now, the chutzpah way of playing is very different than the way you and I have been taught. Oftentimes, in our prayer... Our prayer is very polite and very pop- proper. Okay? We have. And there's nothing wrong with polite and proper. But the chutzpah was not polite and proper. It was shameless perseverance to the Lord. It wasn't, oh Lord. Now, the chutzpah. Picking it up in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what we want to notice in verse 2 of Luke 11 is you see the structure of the Amidah. Do you guys see it right there? This would be an abbreviated personal Amidah. How so? Look at it. When you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This would be the Shavak, wouldn't it not? The praise. Okay? Your kingdom come. Here's the, the middle part. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is more personal, but it's still structured. Okay, if you pray the Amidah, the structure is the same, but as the worshiper, you would make it more personal in your life. Here's the point. Ready? This is why my Jesus said, pray in like manner. 
He never said repeat, rinse, and repeat. You guys understand that, right? He didn't say keep, keep saying it over, keep saying it over, say it 30 times. He said in like manner, in like manner. In other words, he would want us to do this, avoid vain repetition. When I was growing up in the religious home that I grew up in, this is how we were taught to pay to pray. Very, very um, repetition of the prayer. Now, I got to be honest with you. It made me feel really religious. We'd light a candle and we would pray, but it wasn't personal. I didn't feel a connection to the Lord Jesus. So Jesus says, when you pray, what? Pray like this, our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you will be done as it, earth, as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive uh, everyone who is indebted to us. But do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there are a couple of thoughts that we need to note when it comes to this prayer. You go, what do you mean? God always responds to our prayer. Okay, now here's what you need to know. Different answers based upon his sovereignty. Let me give you an example. When I'm called to go and pray for somebody in the hospital that might be dying, I will always pray the Bible. I'll always pray Isaiah chapter 53. I would pray Matthew and I would pray for healing. Always. Because God told us that we can pray for healing. I know a lot of people come in and go, God, if it's your will. God's told me it's his will that he could he can heal. But you go, well, Ben, sometimes that doesn't heal. Exactly. And that's where I fall upon God. You answer based on your sovereignty, what you see, not what I see. I'm going to ask according to your word, but I'm going to trust that you have the right answer. Okay? Lord, guys, that's how you should pray. Pray with that chutzpah. Pray that prayer, but then trust the answer in his sovereignty. Well, but you prayed, and, it, and, and they still died. But I'm not God. I'm going to pray how I feel I need to pray. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. We had a friend that we used to um, go to church with at Calvary Chapel in Santa Fe many, many years ago. And she's moved over to Kosovo, and she's gotten married, and... About the same time, um, she developed breast cancer. About the same time, my wife developed breast cancer. And I follow her on Facebook, and she gives updates. And she's still fighting that. She's still alive. She's still doing way, way well. But today, as as I was scrolling and I saw her post, she posted about another friend who was basically struggling with the same thing, with the breast cancer, and about the same time, only this was a little bit different post. This was not a post of praise so much that God healed her but that she's dancing in the arms of Jesus. And so you take a step back, and it almost made me cry because I'm thinking, Lord, this could have been my wife. This could have been my wife, and and I've got to trust your sovereignty because then if not, all of us are going to question, well, why me? Why not me? Why, Why am I alive and why not them? We have to trust the sovereignty of God in our lives. You see, you have a beginning date and you have an end date. And God knows those dates.
But God answers our prayer differently based on his sovereignty. Number two, be careful with what I call fatalistic prayer theology. Fatalistic prayer theology. You go, Ben, what's that? Well, oftentimes we'll pray, well, God is going to do whatever he wants to do anyway, so what's the point of praying? God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And it's called fatalistic theology. We just, we just don't even pray anymore. We give up. We give up. Okay? You go, give me an example. Well, if I pray for a healing and the Lord doesn't heal, I feel like there's no reason to pray. You see, it was several years ago. I've told you guys this story several years ago. I was called to pray for a little boy who had brain cancer. And I told the Lord I didn't want to go because if God didn't heal him, I'm just like, here, I'm going to see this little eight-year-old just go through excruciating pain and, and eventually death. You ever tell the Lord you didn't want to do something? I literally told the Lord, please don't make me go, Lord. Please don't make me go as I'm getting in the truck going to go pray for this little boy. And we prayed for him for a year. Every day we'd go to his house and we'd pray for him. And we'd pray for him. And we'd pray for him. And of course you'd see those sparks like, oh, we see improvement. He's starting to walk a little bit. He lost all mobility and everything until that faithful night when it was about four in the morning that my phone rang and Jaden had went to be with the Lord. Should I not pray anymore? God, you're going to do whatever you want to do. Be careful with that, church. Because that's not how God called us. He calls us to pray and to continue to pray. You see, this side of heaven, I'm not going to know why. I don't know if the Lord said, Ben, I'm taking him home in a year, but this is for you. I want to grow you. I don't know. I'll know that side of heaven. God responds to our human prayer doesn't mean God changes his mind but through prayer, things change, don't they? You go, well, like what? I change. Circumstances may change. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Okay, so you have the chutzpah, okay? Here's the, here's the, so Jesus is going to give an illustration of chutzpah praying, right? Look, he's going to continue. He said in verse 5 of Luke chapter 11, Then he said to them, you guys with me? Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his, on his journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. But I say to you that he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend. Yet, because of the persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Can you imagine? Let me paint the scenario. It's about 11. Well, I can't use this one. I was going to, I was going to use Mike and Eva, but they don't sleep, so they would be up. So they tell me, um, I, we're, we're not sleeping, so I can't do that. But, but let's say, let's say you're home in bed. Pastor comes knocking at your door at 11 o'clock. Hey, I got some people coming over. I need some bread. All the 7-Elevens are closed. Walmart is out. Help. And you yell at the door, go away. I don't care if you're my pastor or not. I'm already in bed. And the kids are with me. You see, they slept in a one room. And here's what would happen. 
they would bring all the animals in. they bring all the animals in at night, and then all the family would sleep in one bed. So you know what the ordeal would be for him to get up and get you what you need. It's like, mm-mm, I'm not, I'd have to take all the animals outside, tie them up, make sure they're okay. Then I'd wake up all my kids and all my wife and everything in the bed, and then I'd have to come and give. I'm not doing it. Go away. Go. Nobody's here, right? This is, I mean, think about what Jesus is telling them. Hey, which of you shall have a friend? Yeah, a friend. Yeah, you know, friend of mine. Come on, then from the pulpit the next day, you know, I went over to so-and-so's house, and they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't bring me any bread. They said, Come on. They saw me coming from the ring camera, and they turned off all the lights. <laughs> he says, no, 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 listen. He says, He's not, they're not going to get up and give you because you're his friend. Here, here it says, yet because of his persistence. Guys, do you see that in Luke 11? Circle that word because this is shameless audacity right here shameless you go what does that mean this is blatant this is no shame begging no shame begging right here isn't it funny when it comes to prayer how prideful we are you go what do you mean i don't want people knowing my business i don't want people knowing my i don't want them to know yeah you can pray no 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 listen when my wife got cancer, and I, I said, listen, I want everybody praying. I had to swallow my pride because then people would know what was going on in my personal life. But I had people all over the world praying for my wife because of this no shame begging. You go, well, it's, it's shameless audacity. Yeah, you know what audacity means? The willingness to take bold risks. The willingness to take. Note, he says, he's going to get up. Jesus is teaching us something. Jesus is teaching there are times when our prayers are structured and proper and we're praying and it's wonderful and we get warm fuzzies and there are times when we need to cry out to God with everything that is in us. And we don't know, we don't care. And it's the ugly cry and there's snot and tears coming down and you're crying out to God because that's the only way you're going to make it to the next day. That's shameless audacity, God. God. Could you imagine if you and I developed a prayer life with shameless audacity, how we could pray for the people in Lubbock, oh, God, save them. Save them. Right? I come to your door. Hi. And you have mascara and makeup and everything running. And, hey, are you okay? I was just praying. Yes. That'd be amazing. Yes. Why? Guys, guys, our eyes will be all red and, and just praying. And guys don't cry, so you know. And be like, dude, are you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm just praying. What were you praying for? I was praying for our city. So I was praying for people to get saved. You see, hell is a real place. I once was lost. I was there. Now I'm found. The Lord's touched you that much. I was praying for my family to get saved. I was praying for my grandkids. I don't want to see another shooting in school. I was praying for our schools. I was begging God. I was begging God. Jesus says, look at verse 9. So I say to you, 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Your attention, please. We have to be careful that we don't pull verses out of context because people will pull this verse and go, well, I'm praying for my Cadillac. And Jesus said, keep on praying, or whatever it might be. And uh, it bugs me. Why? Because in the context, he's going, guys, it's, it's that shameless audacity. You're knocking and you're praying. You're God, God. And that's what he's saying. He says, if you ask, keep asking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. It's going to open to you. It's going to open to you. But Jesus is so good. Why? Because now he's going to give us the application of the illustration. Through shameless persistence, the asking, the seeking, the knocking at God's door, and your prayer is going to be heard and answered. Look at verse 10. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Are you kidding me? I'd be looking at Jesus. Those are harsh. Why? Why? Think about it. He goes, what? you, if your son, your daughter, your baby, your granddaughter, whatever it might be, comes to you and says, can I have a piece of bread? Yeah, here's a snake. He says, you can, no, no, no. If you being what? Evil. If you being human. If you being you. That's what he's going to say. Know how to give good gifts, verse 13, to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to him who asks? Guys, think about this. For everyone who asks and receives and prays. He says, let me illustrate it this way. If your son asks for bread... I don't see you going outside in the backyard and going, here's a rock, eat this. You know how to give good gifts. Guys, this should be touching your heart right now. If you know how to give good gifts, if you know how to bless others, if you have a heart that gives, how much more is God the Father ready to answer your prayers in your life, and to fill you with His Holy Spirit. How much more? Well, I don't know if He would mean He doesn't. I just don't know. I just, man, I'm super bummed because I don't know. if That's not God. God's going, listen, I want to. I want to. I want, He wants all the best for us. He wants us to be victorious Christians. He wants us to walk in unity and love and grace and mercy. And He wants us to, to live that way. And He wants us to be givers. Think about this. Our kids know how to ask with shameless audacity, don't they? Right? <laughs> Our kids, I, I want that. They don't have the filter for, for giving and receiving. I want! Boom. Now, for the rest of our study, let me give you quickly very some examples of chispa. Okay, so Jesus has taught us but I want you to show you something that I believe is a game changer. How so when it comes to prayer? Okay? Think about this. In Colossians chapter 1, stay here in Luke. In Colossians chapter 1, um, I want you to see something. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. He, 
well, it's coming up on the screen here in just a minute. Colossians. Did I not put it in? I did not put it in. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. You guys could turn there. Here's what he says. He is, speaking of Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. You go, what? This is what Paul, here's what he wrote. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. I want to know what God is. I want to walk closer to God. Get in the Gospels and start looking at Jesus. Watch him. You go, what do you mean? Okay, you ready? Jesus is the definitive revelation of the Father. Jesus is the definitive revelation of the Father. And how Jesus responds to our prayer is how the Father responds to our prayer. Why? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's in the Word of God. Okay? So here's what we learned so far. It's vitally important to pray. Our prayers must be structured yet personal. And now we're going to see the importance of the chaspa prayer. And I'm going to give you some examples. Back in Luke chapter 5, picking it up in verse 12. Hopefully I put that in there, Sarah. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, fell, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here's example number one. Here's example number one. When was the last time you were face down, face down crying out to God? Well, remember, Jesus is the definitive revelation of the Father. So I want you to note his response. You go, what was his response? Verse 13, and he put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. <laughs> Guys, that's good. That's good. You go, why? What, what, I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. If Jesus is the definitive revelation, the way Jesus answers is the way God answers. And so you go, what do you mean? He comes out with this just by that prayer that, Lord, please, I'm, I'm in desperate. I'm in desperate mode right now, God. And the Lord says, I'm willing. I'm willing. Let me give you another one. Jump to verse 17 of chapter 5. Now it happened in a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of the town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, a man brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring and lay before him. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, let down his bed through the tiling into the midst of Jesus. Do you guys remember the story? Guys couldn't get in. It was packed. Church was packed. They're like, man, we took our friend. We got to get him to the Lord. What did they do? They went up on the roof. They dug out all the tiles and they lowered him down. They lowered him down. Can you imagine Jesus preaching? All of a sudden, dirt's falling on his head. He's like, (laughs) now he knew what was going to happen. And he sees it and he sees it and he's doing it. Now everybody's like, Okay, how many of us would have been like, hey, you're interrupting the service. Stop that. 
Go away. What's his response? He says, your sins are forgiven. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. Wow. Hey, can I ask you a question? We have just a couple of more minutes. What, um, what's your Jesus like? You go, what do you mean? What do you mean? What's your Jesus? I, I, I mean, I read this. And these dudes come and they drop him from the ceiling. And Jesus doesn't go. (sighs) His heart goes. Your sins are forgiven. And everyone goes. You can't forgive sins. And he goes, so you know that I can't forgive sins. Let me tell you, which is, take up your bed. Let's go. Let's go. But the question to you is, is what's your Jesus like? And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, your perspective. Because when you pray, do you pray with the same smiling Jesus going, yeah, I'm ready to answer, but trust my sovereignty, because it might not be the best for you right now. Trust my sovereignty. I I have a plan and a path for you. Do we have this? Do we have the Jesus who's willing to go? Yes, yes, yes. You need to pray. You need to pray. Okay, move a little further to the right. I don't think I put this up here. I'm sorry. Luke chapter seven, thirty six to thirty eight. Uh, if I did, let me know. But I don't think so because it's not in red. He says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she saw that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and she wiped him with her hair of her head, and she kissed him, and kissed his feet and anointed him with the fragrant oil. Can you imagine that? That was shameless audacity. Why? First of all, she was a sinner, and she went into the Pharisee's house. Women like that didn't go into the Pharisee's house. It was a no-no. You wouldn't be let in. But she somehow went in, went straight to Jesus, broke everything she had, tears, and she wiped his feet. Is that not shameless? Those guys are standing going, Well, I cannot believe her! We've got to search our hearts, guys. You see, at Calvary Chapel, we're called to love God and then love people. But people are messy. People are dirty. And people are broken. And I don't ever want to see us look at someone like her and go, don't come to this church. Uh-uh. Listen to me. Calvary Chapel needs to be a hospital. It needs to be an ER for those that are broken we don't, we don't want to be a museum for the saints. Hello, everyone. How are you? We need to go, wow. Because that's who we were. We were this girl right here. We were. We were. And you know people in your life, you know people in your life who, who could have turned you off to Christ just on their attitude. 
you know people, and thank God he just he, he, he got you set up with the right people who loved on you. I had a lady tell me that God was not happy with me because I had long hair. I'm serious. I mean, I'd just gotten saved, and it's like, well, you need to cut your hair. And I was just like, you know what that could have done? Look at me now. See, it doesn't matter. I was a teenager. Look at me now. I mean, that's, did, did, did the hair really? Okay, anyway, I'm getting off here. Okay, let me give you one more example. Guys, you remember the, ish, the woman with the, with the issue of blood? Now, a woman having the flow of blood for 12 years, oh, man, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians who could not be healed by any, came behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Oh, can you imagine? And Jesus said... Who touched me? But he didn't say it like, Who touched me? Who touched me? And everybody's like, Not me. Uh, when all denied it. And then Peter, you know, Peter's like, Master, the multitudes throng impress you. I mean, how could you say, Who touched me? He goes, No, 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 no. Somebody touched me, for I perceived the power going out from me. And now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. That's shameless audacity. That's her going, i got to just touch his hand. Everything within her was saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Are you kidding me? He's a rabbi. Don't do it. You're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be defiled. Don't do it. She's like, I don't care. I have nothing left. Notice the response, verse 48. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Guys, you got to get this. Jesus is the definitive revelation of who God is, and he's just like, man. You go, Pastor, what's your point? You ready? Here it is. As we learn to pray, we have structure. I get that. We have the Shema, we have the Amidah, we have the Bible, we have the Lord's Prayer, we have praise, we have request, we have gratitude. We understand that Jesus is the invisible image of God. How our response to prayer is how God will respond. So let's reconstruct how we are taught to pray and learn to pray with more chispa. More chispa. More God, please. Please. Now, we don't play with chispa for what we want. Come on, church. We don't, we don't, it's not what we want. It's to glorify God. Lord. Lord, I want, to see, I want to see people in Lubbock saved. I want to see people victorious. So we've got to close because I'm running out of time. Let's close. Let's close. So, Ben, you said God always responds to our prayer. Different answers upon his sovereignty, right? You go, amen. Let me give you his answers. You ready? Sometimes his answer is, I can't hear you. Wait, What? Sometimes the Lord can't hear us when we pray. It's not because we need to talk louder or speak more clearly. Sometimes God can't hear us when we pray because according to Psalm 66 and Isaiah chapter 5, there's sin in our lives. Let that sink in. Sometimes, sometimes guys, his answers are no. 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 The Lord says no. 
I don't ever see any of us rejoicing and jumping around when God answers no. God answered! Well, what did you want? He said no! Hallelujah! He said no. Because usually when we ask, we want him to say yes. And sometimes the answers are yes. <laughs> yes! There is true power in prayer. And when you give prayer in Jesus' name, he may also say yes. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I'll heal. Yes, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll step up to help. Whatever it might be, the answer is yes. But let me give you one more. Sometimes the answer is wait. Wait. Sometimes the toughest answer to receive from God is wait. When this happens, we need to remind ourselves that God's in control. Lord, you're in control. And you can certainly handle our situation. I'm going to allow you more time. And I'm just going to wait. But Ben, God's waiting room is the hardest place to be. It is. It is. But we trust God. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight for learning about prayer. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that um, it would would revolutionize the way we pray. Lord, there are times when it's structured and we're crying out to you. There are times, Lord, when it's, it's, we're, we're just praising you, God. There are times when, when we're just um, gratitude. We're thanking you for a beautiful day and all that you've done. And Lord, there are times when we are just like this woman and we're crying out for healing. And we're crying out for, Lord, we're, it's the chispa. We have shameless audacity. We're a beggar just, just trying to get to you, Jesus. And Lord, like the man in bed, he's not going to get up because we're friends. He's going to get up because it's that shameless persistence. Forgive us, Lord. We failed you in prayer. And so, Lord, tonight, I thank you. Teach us to pray, Lord, all the more. Thank you for the beautiful reminder. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.